What's up, everybody? I'm Good. And I'm Goff. And this is Hitting the Mats with Goff and Good. So today, folks, we're going to be doing something that's sort of... Uh, okay, okay, this is our first episode, so everybody just relax. If there's anything wrong, you know, let us know and I'll <laughs> fix it later. Now, my, my yeah. idea for an inaugural episode, by the way, folks, was... Uh, I thought we should have done the the top five ring psychologists in modern wrestling, but Goth ever wisely was like, you know, that might be a little much for our introductory yeah, that's, episode. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be a bit too much. That's like, come on, that's gonna go over people's heads a little. Are, are you like, trying to tell we, we, me we, that we, the marks won't get it? Well, it's not that the marks won't get it. It's just we might annoy some people <laughs> on first episode. This is this is like very ten true. dislikes immediately. It's like everybody fit well, Jim Cornette or something. <laughs> this is very true. So instead, what we're going to be doing, folks, is we're going to be doing um, top 10 themes in wrestling history. So let us know, guys, in the YouTube comments if you're watching this on YouTube or, or go ahead and, and tweet at me at Gamer Under Dev. Check us out on Discord. Whatever you want to do, let us know what your 10 favorite wrestling themes of all time are. And Goth is going to start us off with his number 10. Okay, so my number 10 is Mick Foley's theme in TNA. So uh, the reason um, I, I personally like this theme uh, so much is one, because it's just a kick-ass song, and two, um, obviously everybody knows Mick Foley's like infamous um, theme song is Wrecked, which he used, uh, obviously, WWE. But with... Mick Foley's TNA one, it was like that, but amped up to 11. It was just like the beat to it and everything like that. It obviously had lyrics and all stuff like that. But just the beat to it, it just felt a lot more energetic than than Wreck did. And that's why I just love it. And that's like probably something uh, you guys are going to realize with a lot of my picks is like if the beat is right, uh, for a wrestling theme, it's, it works so well. And that's the reason why, yeah, for Mick Foley's TNA theme for me is that high up. Uh, and the song, by the way, is called Bang Bang. So, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> found it. And you're, you're right. It's like his, his WWE theme turned up to 11. It's great. I dig it. it yeah. Uh, okay. It's only that. It's, it's well, the, the, the riff in it is just like, doo -doo, doo -doo -doo. It's just really catchy as well. Dude, like the okay, so I actually found the Tron and the imagery is getting me because it's the smiley face, but the eyes on <laughs> yeah. the smiley face get really big and dilated, yeah. and I'm like, yes, Mick Foley is high. With barb barb wire covering it, yeah, and it's yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. I get it. Mick Foley gets high on violence. We appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh so so my turn now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, ironically, my 10 also comes from TNA, and that is Raven's TNA theme, Scream. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Raven is my favorite wrestler of all time, so I am potentially biased on this. <laughs> However, his Scream theme in TNA was something very different from what he'd had in other promotions. In a lot of other promotions, it was sort of either... Like, WWE did this really heavy rock thing, which was weird, because everywhere else yeah, he had kind of a punk rock thing. Yeah, it was like... Because it's like the... the uh, I suppose, like, the, the WWE one, it was the infamous, like, piss take one, because it's like, well, the car rock is like... Yeah, yeah, it's like Ricochet having bullet sounds. Like, that's really not necessary, but thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Scream was done by, I believe, Jack Johnston, and it, it's a riff on a, a Dale Oliver song, but it, 
it's perfect to me because it totally typified that era of TNA. And it was a really cool era of TNA for me because that was Raven's run that he started by coming in and beating down Jeff Jarrett and taking the belt. And that was the whole possession is nine tenths of the law and I am in possession of the NWA heavyweight title. Therefore, I am the champion angle. Um, And Raven, at that point, he carried TNA for like a year. And it was so good. I think it's more than that. It's more like two, possibly pushing it three years. Because for the longest time, actually, he didn't hold the title because he won. He finally, because it was, again, when he, especially when he turned face, um, if he was face all the time, virtually, in TNA. Um, it was the whole build up to him actually being like officially being NWA uh, world champion and he won it in the King of the Mountain match. I think it was the first ever King of the Mountain match, actually. As yeah. Well. And, and my favorite part of that run was that was when we got the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, which <laughs> that thing was amazing. Right down to Kevin Sullivan refing the match with ref stripes and violence painted on his chest. It's not that I remember one of those matches where Sandman took this horrific bump off, like, I think it was, like, the stands, and there was, like, double tail set. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill himself. Because he he dove off and he did this, like, I I suppose you'd call it a flip bump. But it was so off target and jagged. It was like, he's going to die. He's actually going to (laughs) die. Oh, I think he calls that the Heineken Rana or some crap. (laughs) That's what they called it in ECW and WWE. Oh, God, yeah, Heideken Rama, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's also known as Sandman can totally wrestle. I love him, (laughs) but Sandman can totally wrestle. (laughs) So that is my number 10. What what is your number nine, God? My number nine is AJ Styles' current theme, Phenomenal. And um, this is more of a sentimental one for me because I was watching live when AJ came out at number three in the Royal Rumble in 2016. And obviously there were a lot of rumors that AJ was going to WWE in 2016 because his contract, you could say, was up with New Japan. And obviously the Bullet Club did the whole beatdown thing and blah, 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 blah. And he, he walked out. Um, the other thing that really sold it is the last ever indie date he did was in the UK. Um, and he cut this promo saying, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be in the Royal Rumble, but if I am, I'm going to kick everybody's ass. Of course, so watching it that night. And production were, it, it, in a way, they did the smart thing, but it wasn't the best thing to do. Um, obviously, the, the countdown starts, you know, and this music kicks in, it's like, who the hell is this? And also they've got the shot of Roman's face. Now what pops up on the Titantron is it starts with the words, I am. And then like rolling text, the word phenomenal kicks in and the crowd instantly knows who it is and just loses it. But in a way, the best part of it was the, the camera cut that you watch live was Roman Reigns' face going literally... Oh, God, not him. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was just AJ walks out. He does the the hood flip, which he was infamous for. And it was just like, 
it was surreal. AJ Styles in WWE. Uh, and that's the reason, like, uh, that ticket song is number nine for me, just, just for that moment. And I'd reckon that's the same for a lot of people that were watching that live or who were there live, because it was just, oh, my God, AJ's in WWE. And, like, I don't care who you are, you would have marked out at that moment, because I bloody well did. I remember... <laughs> I remember actually watching it because I was watching it live and also over here in the UK, it's quite late. Okay. And uh, my mate... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I thought you were done. I I have a funny story about this song, actually. Okay. So just quickly, um, because I was watching it live and I was watching it with my dad and a mate of mine called Dan and they were both asleep. And as soon as AJ comes on screen, I just literally shout, oh my God, it's AJ Styles. And they both like sit up awake (laughs) as soon as they hear that. They sat at attention for the phenomenal AJ yeah. Styles. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, okay, so this is not quite... I, I didn't see that moment. I didn't. But I love this theme, too. Um, and I, mm. I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. So you guys get the inside scoop here. And it's it's actually entertaining. And you can all laugh at me because it is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> so my, my fiance's name is Jess. And when her and I first started dating, that was around the time that AJ had debuted in WWE. And I fucking loved this theme. So, like, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing to tell this now, but but it's fine. It'll be fine. You guys will remember it on the internet forever and mock me for it, and that's great. <laughs> um, so when I would go out to, because she lived in Portland at the time, and I lived in Washington... I would drive down to see her and I would be to get myself amped up for our dates. I would actually listen to (laughs) phenomenal in the car on the way down there. Cause for whatever reason, like the song just resonated with me and got me super hyped. I eventually listened to it so much that I couldn't actually listen to it anymore. Like it, I listened to it until it was worn out in my mind. But at the same time, like that was my ramp up music to go out and go on these dates because At the time, I was coming out of a divorce, and I was like, everybody that comes out of a divorce, and I don't care who it is, no matter what they tell you, there's like a self-esteem damage component to that, right? And like, this used to get me ramped up and make me feel like, okay, I could do this. No, I, I, no, I, and there's, uh, not to spoil it, but there's songs like that for me in, in my, in my list. So no, I totally understand that. It's, it's, I I really apologize for laughing, because I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at no, um, no, you you can laugh yeah. at it. It's pretty funny. I like. I think I've told Jess about it, but I can't remember, and she can probably hear me talking about it now. So she'll probably make fun of me for it later. But like, I used to to love just listening to that song to get myself ramped up. And I mean, hey, hey, I'll tell you this much: whoever wrote that song, you're awesome because it worked. I'm engaged to her now, so obviously it, it's got the juice, man. <laughs> they don't. They don't want none. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which is really weird when you're going on a date. You don't really want to be listening to they don't want none. That yeah, would be the no. opposite goal. But but whatever. It it just it resonated so well. And honestly, I think it's a great theme because it it heralds back to AJ's southern origins in a mm. really nice way. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. That song is phenomenal and should not be lost the time at any point. No. Okay. So my number nine, this is going to be a little bit controversial for reasons, so I'll cover those when we get there, but my number nine is Another Me by Jeff Hardy. And I love this song because this was the point in TNA when they were pushing Jeff Hardy as the antichrist of professional wrestling. Now, this was also the pinnacle of Jeff's 
substance issues in TNA. It, it was shortly after this that he would actually leave the company because of that really terrible match with Sting, which Sting was really upset about, uh, reasonably so. And I'm, I'm glad that he got help after that. But the reason yeah. this song was so cool for me was because for years I had watched Jeff Hardy in WWE. And like you could tell they wanted to push him because he was over with the fans, but they couldn't ever make him feel like that main event level player. And they totally nailed it in TNA. And the way they did it was by saying like, yes, he's different. He wears face paint. He has different music. He acts differently. He wrestles differently. He's just playing crazy, but that's okay because he's not supposed to be the professional wrestler that you all recognize and identify. He is the antichrist of professional wrestling. He is the future. This is what it's all going to become. Face paint and crazy. And I like I bought in and seeing him come out in like a suit that was also purple and colorful was just like icing on the cake. I, I was 100% sold on Jeff Hardy as a heel from that point on. And I will never forget that. No, I, I can uh, to a certain degree. Yeah, I can uh, agree with that. I'm not personally. I'm not too much into song, but I can agree with the whole uh, you know, antichrist of professional wrestling sort of thing, but it's just yeah. I, I, unfortunately for Jeff Hardy, that is always gonna be a a blemish on his career because of how it eventually went down. Which there's many arguments for what happened at Victory uh, Victory Road 2011 against Sting. Um, like there's the argument that obviously he should have been let out the curtain, um, and all stuff like that. There's just so many arguments of what could have been done that night. But the thing is, it happened. Move on. He eventually did. So did everybody else to a certain degree, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 can, I can agree with that to a certain extent. It does, doesn't resonate with me too much because I do prefer the... If, I, if I'm honest, I do prefer the face Jeff Hardy where like he is the crazy daredevil that will do all this stuff to win a match no matter what because obviously pinnacle jeff hardy everybody will probably agree with this um to at least for his face run is tlc jeff hardy but bar, bar none I, I don't disagree with that so like the thing that really resonated with me as with him being a heel here is he honestly kind of reminded me of marilyn manson right it was almost like a caricature of those those celebrities you hear about that are like, I only want brown yeah. M&Ms. Like, yeah. like, that's what it felt like to me. And I was like, oh, it's such a good, such a good persona for somebody that's so unique and so different from everybody else on the roster to be like, yeah. I am the ultimate star, prima donna. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so that that's my number nine. What's your number eight, Goth? My number eight is uh, Solomon, uh, Solomon Crow's theme in T TNA, his first theme, which is uh, don't trust, uh, can't trust anyone. This is more just because it's such a good song. Obviously, most people know Solomon Crow is obviously Sammy Callahan. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out for him in NXT, but I suppose the best, the the best part he got out of it was he got some. Actually, pretty decent themes, I'll be honest. Uh, and, and that's the reason why this one's so high up. It's just a, a good, just a good song. Like, again, it's one of those songs like, um, you know, if you come out in the right way, it is a very good song to come out to. 
Um, and obviously with his persona that he had at the time as Solomon Crow, it did fit. It's like, you, you can't trust anyone, you know? They were sort of going on, on a... I, I think they were going to try a... T- t- like, make his character a tweener. Uh, uh, but obviously things didn't work out. He didn't get that much TV time. Uh, I don't think the character of Solomon Crow got over in the way they wanted it to. Um, but I do remember the distinct moment where I obviously I first heard the song, and it's a segment where uh, I can't remember his name, but it was it's, it's who Juice Robinson used to be in NXT. And uh, he's doing the whole, you know, I suppose you could say the hippie thing with the, you know, the signs and all stuff like that. And obviously the whole point of Solomon Crow's gimmick was that he was a hacker. So... All of like the production stuff, the camera and everything, it's like it's all getting jagged and like doing the whole like colour thing when you you know cut to air and he hits the ring with this song going off and just annihilates Ju- Juice Robinson. And then he just he does this weird thing where he, he gets the mic, he bangs it against his head, and he just literally says, Now we return to our regularly scheduled broadcast, and that's it. <laughs> and it's like but it was it's just a really catchy really good song okay i i just listened to the song i agree it's catchy and it's it's really good but i never ever realized he was supposed to be a hacker so that that gimmick didn't yeah yeah Yeah, it 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 didn't get enough time apparently it did get i think um from what i can remember he did do like the the a decent run in the house show nxt but he didn't get the tv time i think was the problem well i mean now he's Sammy Callahan, so I think it's kind of worked yeah. out pretty well for him. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the uh, I the the thing is, is obviously there's a lot of things for Sammy Callahan that are obviously very controversial. We're not going to go into that, but um, yeah, no, it's just it was just a really good song, and it's really catchy, and that's why it's so high up for me. I mean, frankly, I personally I I love Sammy Callahan as a, a modern heel because uh, he's one mm. of the few people that actually does the I am a disgusting heel. You're actually going to be disgusted by the way that I act and behave. Um, yeah, no, totally get that. So I, I love him and I, I think the theme is great, too. Um, mm. my, my number eight is also an, a number eight for massively unrealized potential. And you can't say massively unrealized potential without the initials dubba dubba E. Uh, so we're going back to the E here. And that is going to be Man With a Plan from the, or for the, Brian Kendrick. I'm a man with a plan. Now, I never really got into the Brian Kendrick when he was part of Lundrick. I didn't really get into him when he was on his own doing the heel shtick on SmackDown. Like, I just didn't buy into his character, really. But when they brought him back as part of the original lineup for 205 Live, and he was playing this sort of schmarmy, manipulative, heel, t- uh, ring tactician, ring general and character. pirate. Yeah, I, I, thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was great, man. I was in the no, Man with a Plan theme. When that hit, I popped so hard because it's so good. Like, that's what every ring general heel is, right? They're the guy that has a plan yeah. to wrap your foot in the apron or yeah. sneak the buckle off. They've always got some crap up their sleeve, and it was so perfect, and I was like, wow, this is, you know, I didn't think I was going to buy into this whole WWE Cruiserweight division thing, but I'm buying in yeah. now. This is really good. And then they turned 205 Live into a Saturday morning kids cartoon with fighting robots. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny, I actually have an interesting story about uh, Brian Kendrick, actually, because um, 
I went to a show, we're talking back in 2014, and um, it was a local show, but it had a really big card in terms of people that were on it, and Brian Kendrick was one of them, and Paul London, actually. Just at, but they weren't in a tag team or anything like that. They were in separate matches. Um, but the the interesting story is is because uh, that night the ref they had really old guy. He was useless. Um, because the Brian Kendrick and Paul London basically did the same thing. They were acting as sort of the heels, but they couldn't be the heels because they were getting cheered so bloody much. Um, and you know when like somebody's in the corner and the ref should count them. <laughs> um, like count five. The ref was doing that. Brian Kendrick literally shouted him, Count! <laughs> he's, like, he's holding the guy in the corner and he's literally pulling and him to the exact same thing. It's like, he literally shouted at the ref, Count! Count me! <laughs> he's like, it was the funniest thing. And it was, it was, it was actually kind of um, disappointing because neither of them went over that night. Yeah, you know what's interesting uh, is I, I always hear about how Brian Kendrick is one of the best trainers in the industry because I know he was trained by Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And I've always heard all these good things about him, but I never saw it in the ring until this run. And I was so yeah. sold and I was so invested. And then WWE were like, ha, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, there was there was one moment that like, uh, I think it got a little bit of internet buzz, um, but it was the one thing that's like, because uh, I'm very... Like so most people know me, uh, know my particular, uh, fa- especially when I'm in the mood, uh, my particular favorite style of pro wrestling is King's Road. And in the Cruiserweight Classic, there was this infamous spot where it's Brian Kendrick versus Kote Ibushi. And they do the burning hammer. Brian Kendrick delivers the burning hammer to Kota Ibushi. <laughs> And obviously, I'm somebody who's like very protective over the burning hammer because obviously it is Kenta Kobashi's move. Only used seven times. No one ever kicked out of it. It is the old. It should be the pinnacle ultimate death move. And it was just like when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, Kirk, he, he, he's going to be rolling in his grave, and he's not dead yet." That's <laughs> like that was the only thing that I, I was like slightly salty on. But apart from that, no, I do love Brian Kendrick. He is he is uh, great. All right, so what's your number seven, Goth? My number seven is the Bullet Club theme. Bullet Club. Four, 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 four. Now, this is going to be one that's probably in a top list for most people. It is just badass it really is um and it's uh i i don't know it, it is that's the only way you can describe it it's like uh ult- like almost ultimate heel theme because obviously you you think of the roots of bullet club and everything like that it's all the the, the gaijins going against uh like the new japan core and everything and obviously because they're the gaijins they're treated as the heels um, but it did. It just it just works so well. It's like you you hear those couple of opening notes, and it's like, oh, sh-. Uh, like it, it's it's going. It's on. It's like Bullet Club are here. It's like awesome. And obviously, it's such an infamous song now because the heights at Bullet Club as the faction got to where there's like literally everybody, um, including myself, 
had has or does have a Bullet Club T-shirt. I I am like, ashamed to say that I actually do not own a Bullet Club T-shirt because I got into heretic. the Bullet Club. <laughs> okay, so I got into the Bullet Club a little bit late, right? And the the one Bullet Club shirt that I did really really want was the uh, Marty Skrull villain one that they stopped oh, selling. Oh yes. Um. Oh yes. I I do have a battle <clears throat> te- or a, I do have a battle tech shirt that's based off the Bullet Club design though. So. Yeah, no, I I have seen that. Um, but yeah, no. Um, no, it's it's fine. It's just you'll be frowned upon until you get one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually I was looking at getting a, a Switchblades Bullet Club shirt because I really like that one. Oh, uh, right, cool, yeah. But I haven't I haven't actually I mean, done it yet because I'm a okay. miser and I never spend money. So S- side tangent, then uh, just quickly, best leader of Bullet Club. In my opinion. Yeah. Um, that's I, I wasn't around when Bullet Club first first formed, so it's a really mm. really tough question. I think you have yeah. to really look at the the eras, but I would I would yeah. say that for me personally, based on what I do know of the Bullet Club, that the mm-hmm. best leaders that I would put out there would probably be Prince Devitt, and I honestly do like the new Bullet Club with Jay White, but that's really personal opinion more than anything, because I think okay. a lot of people really don't like Jay White. Um, okay, so yeah, my... my if, if we're picking two, uh, mine is complete opposite. Best leaders for me, um, AJ and Kenny. So the reason uh, I didn't say AJ is because AJ felt really shoehorned into Bullet Club when he came in. And I, I don't think I'm the only one that felt that way, or I would have said AJ because I thought AJ's attire when he was the leader was like on point. The the skull mask he used to wear and everything, like yeah, yeah, he was he I was mean, on point. I think yeah that that there is that he was he was sort of like thrust into it, but god damn, did he take it by the bloody reins? Well, and and the reason I, I didn't say Kenny is because Kenny also formed the elite while he was the leader of the Bullet Club. Which to me is the opposite of group solidarity. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I get what you mean, but at the same time, I'd also say the reason uh, I, for me, I'd say Kenny was because uh, it, it's kind of a. It, depending on your opinion, it's kind of a bad thing. But it, with Kenny as the leader, and yes, the whole elite thing being the elite, blah 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 blah. It did, at the very least, make the Bullet Club mainstream. Where it got to that point where, like I said, everybody had or has a Bullet Club T-shirt. Like at the very least, that's what they did for the Bullet. Uh, he did for the Bullet Club by doing all that. He made it mainstream. He made it as popular as it, it bloody well was. And I mean, at the very least, the takeover um, that he did on AJ when he basically became the leader at least was pretty decent. No, I I completely agree that that. The Bullet Club benefited from having Kenny as a leader. When I'm looking at the leaders, I'm looking at guys that really made Bullet Club feel like a solid unit and felt like they were pushing mm. Bullet Club as much as they were pushing themselves. And that's why I mm. said Devitt and uh, and Jay White. But honestly, in yeah. that same vein, it's important to also give give props where it goes to uh, Tamatonga and frankly to oh, yeah. Carl Anderson. I, I think Carl yeah. Anderson was also... Because if you listen to Prince Devitt and Carl Anderson and Tama talk about when Bullet Club first formed, they didn't really have a leader. They all kind of led no, together. I... But Carl Anderson actually kind of 
stepped out in front and was like the general, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, nothing but love to him. Yeah, and I think the only reason, obviously, people eventually did label Prince Devitt as the leader was because of the whole thing of, like, how he entered on top of um, Bad Luck Farley's shoulders. Like, the whole, you know, doesn't matter if I'm, like, the, the smaller guy, I'm on top. Because, obviously, Bad Luck Farley, he is the underboss. And, like, he's carrying Prince Devitt on his shoulders yeah. to the ring. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I honestly dig the cutthroat era for Bullet Club. I know a lot of people think that they're past their prime and they're over, but I, I love that. And I love Tama in that leadership role because Tama is just mm. super outspoken and audacious. And he, he <laughs> tell me there's anybody else Actually, that typifies Bullet Club's I don't give up about your rules. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of a certain moment. Um, it's it's not really to do with Bullet Club. It just reminds me of a moment for Tama Tonga. Uh, it's when they did the G, G1 uh, special in Madison Square Garden and, like, uh, Gorillas of Destiny are facing, like, all the different tag teams. And obviously one of them is the uh, tag team of, um, is it Brody, Brody King and PCO? I can't remember. Brody yeah, something. Enterprises. Yeah. And they do the the infamous like spot. Well, not infamous, but a spot that was you know making the waves during the time because it was gnarly, where uh, Gorilla's Destiny just power bomb PCO out of the ring to the floor, straight flat back bump. Um, but the bit on my of it, so uh, that he does the whole set of thing like he's uh, a monster like PCO supposed to be. But then he also falls right now and it cuts Tower Target and he's cussing him out to hell on the, on the ring apron. He's going nuts. Dude, I love Tama. I, I love Tama. No, ta yeah, Tama is the... No, he is. He's, he's really good. Uh, I, I follow his Twitter war with, with Enzo too. And Tama's just golden. <laughs> all, all around, Tama is a national treasure in Japan, in my opinion. Um... That being said, I'm going to get us back on track now. My number yeah, seven sorry. is uh, the Nobodies for Decay in TNA. Um, and I, I loved Decay because I don't think that anybody in the modern era especially has done purely physical selling the way that they sold their gimmick. And I feel like the Nobodies theme was just it was slow and methodical, but also just grimy and perfect for what they were trying to portray as their group. Um, and I, to this day, I hold out the work of Crazy Steve in that group as the best physical selling I've ever seen. Like, Crazy Steve makes you buy into Decay without using words for the majority of their run. And, I mean, Rosemary's obviously in a, a great place in TNA right now. And I think that Abyss is, you know, he's a producer in WWE now. But, like... That group was just standout amazing, and the Nobody's theme is something I used to bump all the time because it just sounds great. And it's something like, the cool thing about Decay was that they really appealed to people that might have felt disenfranchised at any point in their life. And like, you could really identify with that theme if you were one of those people. And I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I've been there. I think everybody's been there at some point, right? Everybody's felt outcasted at some point. And that song just played to it to the umpteenth degree. <laughs> I mean, this is this is going to, you know, going to be weird saying this, but like, um, for me, it's uh, 
The problem is, is obviously because of, uh, it's obviously nobody but by Marilyn Manson, obviously. Um, so for me, um, because like when I was uh, growing up, like preteen, teenager going into that, we had like the metal channels and everything, <coughs> excuse me, on like TV. And obviously that was played a lot. And so the only reason um, when Decay came around and started using that was it was it was for me personally it was like uh because beforehand it was like played to death for me because of watching like the metal channels and everything like that so that's why it, to me it was like uh okay sort of like that and i don't get me wrong like the the legitimacy of abyss and crazy selling and rosemary all that perfectly fine it was just like the theme didn't cut it for me because i'd heard it so much and that's like that's ironic f coming from me that like with the name Goff and <laughs> I mean that that is totally totally fair. Um, <clears throat> so what is what is your number six, Goth? My number six, get get getting a bit of a trend here, is Christian Cage's theme in TNA. Now, to me, this is the ultimate, uh, doesn't matter if it's WWE, TNA, whatever, this is the ultimate Christian theme. This is above, for me, this is above Close Your Eyes, the original one with the female singing it. Like, because this is the instant classic Christian theme, where he was supposed to be, like, on top. And that, that's just, yeah, it's just a great song. Totally solidified his character because obviously he walked in and he took the NWA world title, but it didn't feel forced because a lot of people, because of his work in, you know, WWE Attitude Era with the TLC and, you know, stuff lead up to that, actually felt like, yes, he did belong there. Like beating Jeff Jarrett outright and winning the, N the NWA world title because people went bloody nuts when he made the jump. And like, it, it, yeah, and he just came with this awesome theme uh, with the countdown and became the instant classic Christian Cage. And it's just like the I and I, I recommend people go back and especially watch the uh, him versus Jeff Jarrett match. Um, don't get me wrong. It's not five star, but just the whole vibe and hype into it totally sold in that match. It's an awesome match. Well, in the in the words of Jim Cornette, anybody that comes out to a countdown is instantly over. Um, yeah, <laughs> or in a box, or in a box. That, that's that's a joke. Obviously, if anybody knows Jim yeah. Cornette, they'll know how how yeah. angry he gets about that particular line from Vince Russo. Um, no, I completely agree. So I just turned it on because I hadn't listened to it in a while. But I remember when Christian came out to this, me thinking like, I I'm surprised, but this is actually kind of better than his WWE theme. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. It has a great beat, and you're right. It does. It does sound like this is his time coming, um, and I, mm. this is troublesome for me too, right? Because like Christian deserved it. Don't get me wrong, and this was the time yeah. for it to happen. Yeah. The problem is that for me, this also like symbolizes the beginning of an era of TNA, or maybe not even the beginning. Maybe the peak of an era in TNA where they would basically scoop up anybody that WWE let go to make them a mm. star. No, I, I I I do I do agree with that because I'll see you know Christian Cage uh, came in also with uh, 
Tyson Tonko, if anybody remembers him. <laughs> the the painted the, man. That's what they used to call him in WWE because he had a bunch of body no, tattoos. No, he was... It was... um, He was a problem solver. That was it. He was a problem solver in WWE. Um, but it was just a point of like... Yeah, for me, it's just... It's a really good song, but it just symbolized like, yes, this is Christian's time. And I mean... It's it's kind because of, uh, I think yeah because when they went finally got TV they got like Spike and they got TNE Impact I think he came in just before that so like when they get on Spike he is the NWA World Champion which if we want to scoot forward to present day is kind of in, in a sense not and not as big obviously but kind of like what they kind of did with Chris Jericho in AEW. <laughs> Like they at least put the title on somebody legitimate when they went sh- went to TV. Like I, I at least somebody people knew. Yeah, I agree with the the somebody people knew thing. And I love Christian. Don't don't take this the wrong mm. way. And Christian, by God, yeah. if you ever listen to this, this is not meant to be an insult. But I think even yeah. you realize you're not Jericho, brother. You're not. <laughs> no. Oh, go. Oh, yes. Yeah. No. He is like. I, or I will di- give him this. If anybody has ever seen this moment, it happens in TLC 4. Um, it's the SmackDown one, where it's the four teams instead of the usual three. Uh, no, sorry, TLC 3, not TLC 4. Um, but it's the one on SmackDown. I think it's around May of 2001. And it's the four teams. And Christian gives Jericho the sickest chest like a chair shot that makes your gut churn i have ever seen if any if you if you go to get like go to watch that match because it's tlc match is just awesome especially around that time um but watch out for that uh particular spot i think it's chris, uh, chris jericho hits devon with a chair and christian just comes up from behind swings this chair and the sound the cell Jericho gives, it is disgusting. <laughs> so he does have Chris Jericho on that. He could get, I think he could deliver a much better chair shot than Chris Jericho. Well, okay, but at the same time, Jericho's the one selling the chair shot. So. Yeah, but at the same time, Chris is the one swinging it to make the noise, <laughs> connecting with his skull. I go anyway. both ways on that, but yeah, no, I, I I loved Christian. I I do think that he's an incredibly talented individual, and he was definitely underutilized by WWE. Even when they brought him back, he was underutilized by WWE. Uh, although the for so, a while the one more match storyline was actually pretty one? good, and then they just ran it and ran it and ran it mm. and ran it until it was <laughs> beating a. A government mule would be a good analogy for what they did with that storyline. Yeah. Uh, anyways, m- moving forward, Christian, we love you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my number six, and and it, in a way, it pains me to say this because, like I said, Raven is my favorite wrestler of all time. We all know where he got his big break. Uh, but my number six is Walk by Pantera. This was RVD's theme in ECW. <laughs> And to me, this theme absolutely represented that entire era of of ECW, of WCW trying to become more edgy, of WWE getting their attitude. Um, And and the real reason why is the the chorus of respect. 
Like, that is absolutely what ECW was after. ECW was this small little bingo hall wrestling company that wanted the big yeah. guys to look down and go, holy crap, they're doing it. Yeah. So to me, no, it, really, it really typified their struggle for legitimacy. Um, and, I mean, now, knowing what we know about, about CTDs I, and, and headshots and things with chairs, it's hard to go back and watch ECW stuff sometimes. It really yeah. is. But at the time, and it was just like, amazing. Oh, yeah, like at the time, because obviously, you know, the, the landscape of professional wrestling was going to that edgier product, the 80 to 34 male demographic. Um, but yeah, it's just like, uh, don't get me wrong, I respect what ECW tried to do, but it's like going back and watching some of that stuff is like, mm, no, can't do it. Just can't. Don't get me wrong. ECW had some phenomenal matches. Like as speaking of RVD, RVD versus Jerry Lynn. Whoo, that's some good stuff. Um, but then it's like, yeah, you watch the rest of it, and it's like, mm, bit too much. <laughs> yeah, there's. I I I actually bought uh, recently a set of DVDs that covers Ravens, two of Ravens' different runs in in uh, ECW versus Dreamer and versus Sandman. And I tried going, like, I watched the whole thing because I love Raven, like I said. I mm. love his old promos. I love the way that he works a mic. Um, but I just, it, it was tough to watch some of this stuff because in in the eyes of history, looking back, it actually becomes kind of cringeworthy. Uh, <laughs> that being said, Although, it, it was still a great, great thing in its time. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, the, the, the whole thing of, like, uh, Pantera Walk, like, yeah, the message behind it, yeah, no, it does really hit home. Um, but I think, for me, like, it doesn't resonate with me too much because I was, don't get me wrong, like I said, I respect ECW, but I was just never that into ECW. It just wasn't the right product for me, I, I suppose is the best way to put it. See, I get I, that. I, I think the the importance that ECW had in wrestling history at this time, and I mean, th this is also the problem yeah. with ECW, is that at this time, Vince McMahon had turned professional wrestling into a Saturday morning cartoon because that's Vince's yeah. favorite type of wrestling. Uh, so people were, were struggling to take wrestlers seriously because you had Hogan out there telling you to say your prayers and eat your vitamins. And like, yeah. it, it was just really cheesy, really targeted towards kids. And I think what yeah. ECW did with their hardcore style was they brought it back into a mass appeal where you could watch an episode of ECW and you see Sandman go out there and cane Tommy Dreamer and you go, man, that Dreamer kid, he yeah. is tough. These guys are hella, then, they're, they're tough as nails. Wow, I'm yeah, amazed. Yeah, and then, and, and then you have, because you, then you add the legitimacy that they got from, say, Cactus Jack terry funk uh and all of like the the, the the those legitimate people that had names give especially in the case of terry funk like how much he gave to ecw is just insane yeah i completely agree like i i feel like they brought some legitimacy back to professional wrestling for the audience the problem was though that at that point like yes they looked like tougher guys and you bought into that toughness more than you bought into the toughness of guys in wwf at the time because they were kind of cartoony mm. but the problem with that was they also raised <clears throat> excuse me they raised the public's bar for what toughness was in professional wrestling 
Like yeah. gone were the days where a guy was tough if he could take a chair shot and keep going because you've got guys rubbing cheese graters across each other's faces and yeah. wrestling for another 20 minutes. Like that's... yeah. It's almost like yeah. inflation of violence. And, and I loved yeah. it as a teenager. But now looking back in the retrospect, I'm like, man, it kind mm, of too... really damaged yeah. the lengths that people have to go to to get over as tough now. Yeah. And then it's like, because you look at um, when, like, if we, if again, if we go back a bit, um, when WWE really hit their stride, the actual era, look at the insane stuff that had to to raise that bar to go at least to meet it or raise it even higher look at the tlc matches that took years of all of them like yeah, well, i mean look at uh most infamous God, spot Joey that anybody remembers from tlc is that, from tlc2 devastating Edge injury in that spears uh, that jeff match. hardy out that of midair dropping you know? 20 foot to the mat that is insanity yeah. Like everybody says how Jeff Hardy was not legitimately snapped in half or broke his spine is insane. Yeah, it's it's kind of dude and like things like Mick Foley spitting out his tooth at the time that moment seemed great, but now you're like yeah. that dude legitimately could have killed himself. Um Yeah, and obviously that was the that is the obviously the ultimate moment for wrestling fans like of like all time probably is my, mankind getting thrown off the hell in the cell because you can't get any higher than that. A man being chucked 20 foot off a cell, falling through an announce table, not dying, then getting back on top of the cell and then being choked slammed through the cell, hitting the mat as a chair hits his head. You can't get any higher than that. It's impossible. Well, I mean... You can't get any higher than that and survive. Exactly. Um, like, it's like, um, to take it a little bit further, like, obviously a big scene, it, uh, like, uh, I suppose you could say a niche in the wrestling scene is obviously deathmatch products. And, like, sometimes it's just... I, the best way I could put it is sometimes just disturbing to watch what people will put themselves through when you you think of like the light tubes, the barbed wire, the thumbtacks, the gusset boards. It's just insanity. It's like calm down. Like you're you're it's getting to the point you're grossing people out with how nasty and bloody and like blood and guts it's getting. Like, okay, so the thumbtacks and stuff, so so here's here's the thing about death matches, right? Like, some people yeah. are into it, and you kind of have to seek it out now if that's what you're into. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm actually okay with that. The thumbtacks, that shit probably hurts really, really bad. Yeah. But it's not going to injure you permanently. You're not going to die from no. it. And that's okay. Barbed wire, probably going to hurt you real bad. It's going to scar you up. Probably not going to die yeah. from it. These these huge mm. dives off of, like, tall objects, you could potentially yeah. die from those. It's just not worth it. Um, yeah. And then the light tubes, it's, most of the time, that's that's the whole, like, sugar glass thing where it's like, you know, you're not really getting shredded to pieces, which is good. Because if they were doing those with legitimate light tubes, like, I would be 100% against deathmatches forever. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I am going to stop you there. Uh, watch anything from BJW 
uh, Big Japan Pro Wrestling with light tubes. Believe me, it's legitimate. Um, at least in that company. I don't know about, like, say, CCW or anything like that, but there's one spot uh, where there's there's only one uh, deathmatch wrestler I actually like. Uh, his name is Jun Kazaye, the crazy monkey. Because <laughs> um, his character is actually quite interesting and he can legitimately wrestle. Uh, but there's this one, one match where he's facing Masada and he puts him through light tubes and Masada's shoulder is cut up to hell. Like, you can't... It's like legitimate glass because it's like sticking him in him and he's pulling it out of his shoulder and his shoulder's Ugh. bleeding to all heck. Yeah, oh. that's what I mean. It's it's like, yeah. Okay, and then, so so moving yeah. on from the grotesque, <laughs> let, let's go to uh, what what is your number five, Goth? My number five is a very particular theme. It's AJ Styles' evil ways, but goes into Get Ready to Fly. So the reason, um, the, again, another AJ Styles theme that's <laughs> getting the trend here. Um, the reason why this was so particularly high, again, because uh, at the time I was, you know, more or less watching TNA. And uh, the, the moment in particular is where Aces and Eights are doing their thing. And the only people going against them is the reincarnated main event mafia. And they're supposed to have this four on four match. Um, but main event mafia down one guy and so they're like well we don't care we're gonna do this we're still gonna face you and then Eve Way starts playing and AJ starts walking out and like fair play to everybody who's in the ring uh, like Bully Ray was on the on stage and everything everybody's selling this it's like what is AJ doing out here and then it's like he gets to a certain point and he stops and it's just like silent. Like either way, stops play. It stops, stops for about three seconds, and then immediately get kicks it to get ready to fly. He does the hood flip. Everyone is going mental. All of the wrestlers are selling it. The commentary selling it. The fans are going crazy. Like it, and it was just like, yes, it's the real AJ, <laughs> and everybody's going mental. Fair play to Mike Tanay on commentary. He's selling it. So is Taz, because cat Taz obviously for some reason, was part of Aces and Eights. They needed a personal commentator. And he's going, no, no, this can't be happening. Because obviously it's like, it's AJ Styles. Like, <laughs> it's like, as soon as he, that theme kicks in, it's like, yeah, that that's another one of those, those themes. Like, it's that very particular one because of that moment. I can respect that. I can respect that. Um, It's funny because... We'll... I think I've shown you that moment, haven't I? Yeah, you have. And we, we will come back to to AJ Styles on my list too. Uh, a little <laughs> bit higher up though. A little bit higher up though. Um, okay, okay. But yeah, fair fair play. That was actually a really really great moment and and to me that was sort of the the pinnacle ending moment of what would be AJ Styles rise to legitimacy. Um but I'll, yeah. I'll get into that more when I when I get to the part of my list that's AJ Styles cuz that's actually why I picked my song is because of yeah. that legitimacy factor for AJ. Um Go ahead. Because I, because I, I, I think as well in the, in the like the storyline kayfabe of TNA because it was the whole thing of Aces and Eights taking over, 
And even though AJ was like, because they were teasing the figures, like, oh, is AJ going to join Aces and Eights? And it's like, no, because it's sort of proving the point that, like, everybody I think can agree with this. AJ Styles at the time was Mr. TNA. So I think in storylines him, it's like Aces and Eights taking over, but he, at the very core, even though he was like the lone wolf evil ways, he... He was core TNA inside pro TNA, and that was why. Even and again, he wasn't even joining the main event mafia. He just came out because, you, you know, I'm pro TNA. I'm gonna go against you because you know I am Mr. TNA, and so that was why I think the whole thing worked. Where it's still either ways, but for that moment in time, go get ready to fly kicked in, and he did. He became Mr. TNA just immediately. He became the phenomenal AJ Styles. Yeah, I I remember watching this actually. I think around when it happened, and like, I don't know. I I wasn't. <laughs> that was sort of in the the prime of my smarkiness, and I wasn't at all expecting <laughs> him to join Aces and Eights because I was well aware yeah. that they were basically rerunning the Sting gimmick with AJ for that Lone mm. Wolf thing, and he like. You're not going to say this guy's the lone wolf and then be like, but he joined the bad guys. That, like, that makes yeah. no sense from a storytelling perspective. Then again, this was a, at a time when TNA was doing a lot of things that didn't make sense. So, yeah, I mean, that then, Claire Lynch then, story like, for AJ, dear God. Oh, God. Yeah. But it was also the point that he made afterwards. I think he made the point like a week afterwards, like he's not joining main event mafia either. It's just the point of like TNA was in danger because of a snake so he stepped up and that was just the whole point and then it was sort of like the rise to getting the tna world Ch heavyweight championship again and then eventually walking out of it because he can he's he's aj <laughs> yes okay I, i'm gonna get us back on track because we're almost yeah. an hour in and we're not halfway through the list so we've got <laughs> we, we've got to brief it up a little bit more um, yeah as we go forward which is unfortunate because now we're getting into the better stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so my number five is Cult of Personality for CM Punk. And that is primarily because CM Punk hit the right opportunity at the right time with the right angle when fans of WWE were angry with Vince, they were disenfranchised with the product, they were tired of seeing people with a lot of talent get flushed down the drain, and they were tired of WWE pretending like it was all okay. And CM Punk came in and literally just, in the famous Pipe Bomb, pipe bomb promo, he sat down and he voiced every concern that the audience had, every bit of vitriol, every bit of disgust they had, he sat down and put into form on a microphone um, and I, I don't know if this was worked or not, but at several points they cut his microphone off. And I, I don't think that the first time they cut it off, it was a work because it was right after he said, maybe when Vince McMahon dies, the company will be better off. Um, and that, that apparently got him into some deep trouble, but no, uh, no, no, it was the, um, it was the, uh, let me tell you an interesting story about Vince McMahon. You know, we have this whole bullying campaign and his mic cuts. Oh, immediately okay, that was, cuts. Yeah, it's been a while since yeah. I rewatched it, but yeah, that was. Yeah. So I mean, Punk at this time, to me, 
this stood out because he was saying everything that we all wanted to say personally to Vince McMahon as fans. Mm. Yeah. And it was just perfect. And this is also, you know, when he did the leaving and and returning thing. And I mean, I remember yeah. it, it is one of those moment things like you were talking about where the theme hit and everybody was like, who the hell is that? Because he hadn't used that theme before. Mm. And John Cena standing down in the ring with the WWE title over his shoulder after completely burying Rey Mysterio because, yeah. I guess, screw Rey, right? Like, yeah. who cares about Rey yeah. Mysterio? Screw you, WWE, for that moment, by the way. Um <laughs> And then that music hit, and and Cena, to his credit, sold it like, who the hell is this? And then Punk walks yeah. out on the stage with the real WWE title and just pats it. And you're like, yeah, this is WWE right now. This is a yeah. moment that speaks to the state of the company. <laughs> okay, so I got I just gotta get this in quickly because this is gonna this is gonna be the controversial moment for me. Cause anybody um who knows me um knows I'm uh, unlike good, I'm not as high on CM Punk as most people. This is this this is gonna be my controversial statement of the podcast. Because <laughs> uh, I was watching around this time, and also yeah, when I did look back, it didn't like I get the understanding and it all stuff like that. Because obviously the place WWE's in, but it just didn't. I yeah, I just wasn't as high on CM Punk as everybody else was. I I don't know why. Like, is Mike obviously great on the mic? Um, okay, in the ring. But yeah, it's just, that's really my controversial statement. Cop Personality by by uh, Living Colors. Brilliant song. Absolutely brilliant song. I, I will definitely agree with that. But the whole punk thing, yeah, would, didn't click with me. It's because you can't get over him using the GTS. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Kenta did it better. Simple as, Kenta did it better. I, I would strongly <laughs> bet that if he was allowed to use the Pepsi Plunge that he wouldn't have borrowed that move either, so. Well, no, there, there is that. It's just like, um, well, no, I'm not going to say it now because obviously we, we, we are short on time, so. True. Let, let's yeah. move forward. What's your number four, Goth? My number four is uh, Unsettling Differences, Kevin Steen's theme in Ring of Honor. Okay, so this was the point in my wrestling, uh, you know, infuse, enthusiasm, interest, where I kind of got into that mark territory. Around the beginning of 2014, I found out through a couple of friends of mine about this wrestler called Kevin Steen. And I just looked him up on YouTube and I was mesmerized by what he could do for a guy his size and the whole persona he had where he was, he literally said uh, um, in one of his promos, I am the baddest man on the goddamn planet. Because you believed him because of the stuff he was doing to his opponents. Like, uh, if there was a, a, a uh, if you will, a gimmick that was based around one move, it was Kevin Steen and his package pile driver. He literally had a shirt saying, package pile drive everybody. Because he did! And it's like you did take him as the baddest man on the planet because he was. And like for a while, he was, um, like I said, he was Mr. Ring of Honor during his stint uh, at that time when he got the Ring of Honor world title and that point onwards. Like, yeah. And yeah, uncertainly differences his theme. Like when that, that 
drum beat kicks in. Again, it's one of those things you immediately know who it is. And it's like, okay, it's on. So, but yeah, that's my number four. Alrighty. I'm actually listening to it because I've never heard it before. Uh, and it's yeah. it's definitely a different tune to anything I've I've seen him use in WWE for sure. Yeah. Uh, but he honestly, I, I've caught a, a little bit of his ROH work and I think he was phenomenal there. Like probably a lot better yeah. than he's been in WWE up to a point. Oh, I yeah. do think that his face push in WWE is going really, really good. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so I'll move on because of time. So my number yeah. four is Judas for Jericho because even though he's a heel, everybody in the damn arena sings along to it. Jericho's the man right now. Like, I, I don't yeah. care if you're a WWE fan. I don't care if you're a New Japan fan. I don't care if you're a Ring of Honor fan. You can be a fan of whatever you want, but if you try to tell me that Chris Jericho is not the man in professional wrestling today, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. <laughs> Jericho is the modern Ric Flair. If he left AEW today, Vince would hire him tomorrow, and there's absolutely zero doubt in my mind about that. <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. Uh, Jericho has, again, once again, as many people say, reinvented himself yet again. The thing, okay, so I, I, I want to say one last thing about Jericho and then we can move on. Yeah. The thing about Jericho right now is that Jericho has proven through history that he can literally sell anything. You can give yep. him the, st think about how stupid the list is. How <laughs> dumb was that? And he made it gold and everybody bought into it. A little bit of the bubbly. Yeah. How stupid is that? And Jericho's like, watch me he sell this to people. He got the word it over. He literally said, I'm just going to try and get the word it over. And he did. Yeah, Jer Jericho <laughs> is the man right now and looks to be for a good long while. And the best part about that is he's the man and he's not the champion. And that's freaking great. Because Jericho, mm. unlike so many of the man in the past, <coughs> Hogan, <Yeah>. <coughs> <laughs> has recognized that his job as the man currently is to create the man of the future. And he's doing that yeah. quite well. So I have nothing but love for Jericho. Moving on. What's your number three, Goth? My number three is also from AW, actually. And it's Kingdom Cody's theme. Um, it's just a rocking theme and it suits Cody to the T with like, especially when he left WWE with the whole name thing and stuff like that. It just it, lyrically, it just it is. It is Cody. It really is. But it's not only that. It is just a rocking tune to come out to for Cody. Like, forget the intro and also like that, like the holy intro, and blah, 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 blah. Like, yes, that does also work, but it's just the song for me because it's just so upbeat. Well, not upbeat, but it's like the, the beat is there for when he, you know, he walks down to the ring. It's just so kick-ass and like, yeah, lyrically, it just fits him. It's such a good song. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I love it, too. In fact, I was just the opening. I know you're more more sold on the beat, but the opening where it says there's more than one royal family in professional wrestling. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that last night, and I, I really, really hope that AEW has their eyes on Calgary and they're looking for any remaining members of the Hart family 
to bring in because it occurs to me after mm. watching the latest episode of Dark Side of the Ring that WWE has done so much damage to that family. Oh, yeah. So much damage that if AEW reached out and was like, hey, we're trying to put together, you know, some of the great families of professional wrestling, they could get a heart into that company and do so much with them, honestly. that would There was... Just to quickly add to that, there was a rumor that they were trying to get hold of David Hart Smith. I would, I would love that. I, I really hope that they, yeah. they do get somebody from the Hart family because that's a family that got mm. really, really done wrong and deserves a, yeah. a second chance in wrestling. If anybody does, uh, okay. Yeah. Moving on, so we don't focus too long. What is yeah. your number three, Goth? Oh wait, you uh, just did that. Two, that was your, you mean? My, my yeah. bad. That was number your number two. three. My number, my number three. two. My, my number three. I didn't get to do mine yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. This one's important to me. This one's important to me, guys. <laughs> um, even though Goth will mock me because one of the lyrics is a little bit suspect. It <laughs> okay, is, go on. You're going to pay by for The Undertaker. <laughs> Dead man walking. You've got it now. Now you yeah. can you can laugh, but let me tell. I've actually got a good bit of reasoning for why. All right, all right, yeah, go on. To this this song to me was the time in Undertaker's career when you knew that whether he had the belt or not, he was the man that ran the business, and if you dared to cross him, you were going to pay for it. You were going to die. Uh, and and a lot of people I know didn't like the big evil gimmick. They preferred the phenom gimmick where he rolled his eyes into the back of his head and shot lightning bolts out of his butt. But personally, <laughs> and this is just me, yeah, I like to think uh, about if I was walking down a dark alley in the city and I saw the phenom Undertaker, what would I think? Well, personally, I would keep my distance, walk past him, and maybe chuckle a little bit about the eyeliner on the other side. Now, on the other hand, if I saw Big Evil standing in that alleyway, I would hand him my wallet and run the other direction. <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. Like, like Big Evil, the whole Big Evil gimmick, the biker gimmick, uh, was, you know, it was a good transformation. Like, it didn't last, obviously, as long as the Phenom gimmick, obviously. Um, but it was, it was, like, that kind of, like, the whole respect thing. It was when so he, good. He was, yeah. But no, there is just the joke of the lyric. Um, obviously, you may want to bleep this out, but everybody knows the lyric. It's like, kicking asshole's ass. Like, come on! Okay, but Please. if you look past that, right? So let, let me give you a better example of why I love this song. There were so yeah. many instances during this era where there'd be somebody down in the ring on the mic, this is my company, I'm the top man, this is my ring, yeah. and all you'd hear is, dead man walking, and I... Immediately, yeah. your mind goes, "Well, somebody's about to get their ass kicked. That, that's what's going to happen mm -hmm. right here. Th this is done. No, yeah, <laughs> um, he's going to make him famous. Exactly. And like, you got to remember, this is an era in professional wrestling for the Undertaker where he is breaking people's throats with a chair, doing the chair guillotine spot. Yeah, he is wrapping a chain around Hulk Hogan's neck and dragging him on the back of his motorcycle." Like this that is was, an era awesome. when Taker is telling Kane whether or not she should he should throw Stephanie off the second story of the building. <laughs> and I mean, I suppose the one infamous moment where he kind of goes faceish. Everybody remembers this moment: the ladder match with Jeff Hardy, because that solidified the whole respect thing as well. Because 
Jeff Hardy came this close to becoming the undisputed champion, but it wasn't that part that got take got take his respect. It was the point Jeff Hardy kept getting back up and back up, no matter how much he got beat. And then Taker just walked in. Looks like he, he is. He's gonna kick his ass, and then he just raises his arm. Yeah, no. And like, and everybody is just floored. That that's my point. Like that was the best time, and I'll never forget my favorite line of commentary during this time was the WrestleMania match with Triple H, where Paul Heyman was yeah. on commentary and he said, and I quote, "The Undertaker has criminal intent tonight." <laughs> that is that is a good line. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, I, I that song for me, I will always remember that because it was you'd hear that song, you'd see Taker beeline for the ring, and somebody was eating soup bones a few seconds later. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. moving on. What's your number two, Goth? My number two is Battle Cry, Kenny Omega's current fame. Now, the reason for this is, I, obviously, yeah, I really like Kenny Omega. A lot of people go back and forth on him. I really like him. But the song, the reason it's so high is because, again, of the rhythm. And it's a song, I am not joking, The one of the first times I ever listened to this, because I listen to a lot of uh, my music when I'm walking. When this song starts to ramp up, I literally felt like I was going to go into walk, power walk, jog sprint <laughs> this makes me feel like i want to start running to this song it's not only that as well it's like the references to his other themes in the lyrics of the song i'll see the reference to one winged angel is a done really well and it is kick ass song it's really well done um obviously done by uh little v um it is such a good song like it is grandiose like in a way, Kenny Omega can be. And it's just, yeah, like legitimately, I want to run to this song when it starts kicking in. This is why it's so high on this list for me. It's just, you you know, you could say, oh, maybe Devil's Sky, uh, that theme was suited better for Kenny Omega. Yeah, cleaner Kenny Omega, probably. But current Kenny Omega, there is no better theme for me than this one. So this is this is my moment to be controversial. There we go. <laughs> I, I, I think it's an all right theme, but I'm not that sold on Kenny in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's fair enough. But like that I is said, personal people opinion. I do think do, it's a good theme. Yeah. Yeah. Pe like I said, people do go back and forth on Kenny Omega. Uh, but yeah, for me personally, this, this song just legitimately makes you want to run to it. I did recently it is, it, hear him like do an interview, though, where he basically explained to people that he didn't feel like people in the U.S. had seen his Japanese matches and what mm. he wanted to show them over here in AEW, and this actually makes more sense, and I have respect for him for this, was that he wanted mm. to show people in AEW that he could make anybody that he worked with look good. Yeah. And that, that I respect that. Kudos to him. Yeah. I, I wait to see where that direction goes, because that is a respectable goal, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, my number two, and I told you we'd get back to him, guys, is yeah. Evil Ways for AJ Styles. Strike him down. Um, and yeah. the reason why is because if you really look at AJ Styles' career, he's always been phenomenal in the ring, right? Always been a great yeah. in-ring performer. But for the longest yeah. time, he suffered with 
being kind of generic. Like, and, mm. and it feels painful to say that about AJ Styles, right? Yeah, no, it, admittedly, he was ba- a baby, a white meat babyface yeah, for a long and, time. No, I will strongly admit that. And he was super generic. And even when he played a heel, it was the generic, I'm the best heel. And there was just nothing very, like, threatening yeah, or intriguing whole, about it, right? Yeah, the, it's hardly that on the whole, because I'll see an infamous thing where he does turn heel is the whole Rick Ric Flair one where he tries to be Ric Flair and everybody knows that he is this, you know, soft, Christian-spoken, uh, you know, husband with children and all stuff like that. It's like, yeah, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit AJ. No, not at all. And then when they did the evil ways thing, though, like they let him grow a little bit yeah. of scruff on his face. Um, he he did the, the thing with Aces and Eights where he put on the cut and then beat them with the hammer and bounced. Um, yeah. They, they basically said, hey, guys, it's the same AJ you've always known. He's still great in the ring, but this one, this one is dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it more, as well, it developed in kind of a shoot style as well, because of obviously previously there was a whole uh, Lynch storyline and all this malarkey, and it was kind of like shoot tweener, because he was like, screw this, I've had enough. I'm doing me own thing. Well, and, and that's it. more believable is what he was. He was more believable, yeah. more identifiable as a person. He was pissed off. And we've all been pissed yeah. off. And that made him more identifiable. It made him more than just a sort of vanilla wrestler. And I, I really think for him, this is the beginning of what would become the current AJ Styles, which is one of the greatest wrestlers yeah. in the world, like without any doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's your number one, Goth? My number one is Bret Hart's theme. Now, this is for a very distinct reason, because this is a moment that will carry with me for the rest of my life. So my parents, uh, especially my dad, was the one who got me into wrestling, and he had, like, the old VHS tapes, and one of them in particular was the Royal Rumble 1997. And I watched this as a, a, a child, I did. This was really before I actually, the wrestling, you know, venom dug deep into me when I was like 10 years old, when I first saw, saw Shawn Michaels. But this was, yeah, this was when I was a bit younger. And um, yeah, my dad had this video, and I'd watch it. And there was a particular moment, it's the, the actual Royal Rumble match in 1987, a lot of people will probably remember this. Uh, it gets to about two-thirds of the way through the Rumble. Stone Cold's in the middle of the ring. He's eliminated literally everybody. He's sat up on the top turn, Michael, in a corner. The 10 cu- count starts to go down. And he's got his head in his hands, also just waiting for the next opponent because he's like, come on, like bring them all out. I'll throw them over the top. So he's got his head in his hands, hit zero, and you just hear that guitar and his reaction is oh god no anyone but him and that moment just solidified bret hart for me literally forever because stone cold sold it so well like you think of all the opponents stone cold has gone against i have never seen him react to anyone that way bar bret hart i and that is why it's number one for me 
Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that in any way. I think that Brett is absolutely phenomenal, and I think that song is definitely one that typifies an entire era. Because to me, Bret Hart yeah. was the breakout star of his era. And not only that, yeah. but he's also a breakout star of his era that was smart enough to recognize when the next era was coming. And I'm not talking about Shawn Michaels, because we all know that Brett yeah. was like, I don't want to pass it off to that dude. But he did pass it off to Stone Cold Steve Austin, which led to probably the most profitable era of WWE in history. Yeah. So One of the most infamous mo- moments where he has him in a sharpshooter, Stone Cold lifts his head, perfect camera angle, blood, loads of blood just dripping from his head, and he blacks out. He doesn't give up, and they do the double switch. Beautiful storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. If I recall correctly, too, I don't remember, but I think he wasn't supposed to bleed at that match, and Brett was like, no, no, you're bleeding. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think what happened was he hit him with the ring bell. Like, uh, Stone Cold had him, like, in a choke on the ropes, and Brett Hart just literally, over his head, hit Stone Cold in the head with the ring bell over his head. And yeah, he starts... Uh, spewing blood yeah that, that match was but, one that'll go down in history forever for sure but but yeah it's at that particular moment royal rumble 1997 like just watching it even as a child that was it i was sold i was sold forever and that's why and it's only that like just again it's that thing of the beat the way he walks to it and everything it fits him perfectly and that's why yeah it's number one for me Okay, so I, I almost want a drum roll for this because I think this is an indisputable <laughs> one, honestly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Viva la raza! Ah ha ha! I lie, I cheat, I steal, Eddie Guerrero. Viva la raza! Nobody, nobody will ever convince me that this theme and this this story was not the beginning of the pinnacle of Eddie's career. Not only that, it's yeah. something that is extremely difficult to replicate. And the yeah. reason I say that is because you really have to look at wrestling at this time in a couple different ways, yeah. right? You've got your faces, you've got your heels, you've got your tweeners, and then you've got the people that defy all of that. Great examples yeah. of people that defy that are Stone Cold Steve Austin himself, who is a face yeah. while he beats people in a hospital with a bedpan and pulls guns on people. Yeah. H- how yeah. is he a face while he does these things? Because he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's above the rules. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And, and Eddie became above the rules. Eddie came out. He looked at you. He smiled into the camera yeah. and he said, I will lie to you. I will cheat and I will yeah. steal from you. And you'll like it. And we loved it. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's as well, like you think in an era where um <clears throat> it was like uh for a while obviously Brock Lesnar even back then was dominant and he put he put over Eddie. Oh he my actually God. did he put o- in No Way Out 2004 Eddie won the title off Brock Lesnar. Um obviously did the whole thing he did lie cheat and steal uh, throughout the match but it didn't matter cuz everybody was like yes Eddie deserves this. Okay. So he does the whole thing, and yeah, he hits Frog Splash, and everybody goes mental. Do you remember when he beat Angle because Angle went for the ankle lock, and he'd untied his yeah. boot and slipped yes. out of it yes. and rolled and grabbed the ropes? Yeah. That, that's what I mean. Like, 
Eddie Guerrero was the hottest thing in existence during this time period. And like, it it never, the heat never cooled. Like he was Latino heat. He was the hottest thing. And God knows I I miss him. And I think the wrestling world misses him. And maybe that's a part of the reason why he's number one on my list. But yeah, Eddie was a guy that (laughs) they had decided was just a mid card guy. And he pulled himself into the main event with this story where he made himself unique and said, I don't have to be a good guy. I don't have to be a bad guy. I'm just me. And you guys will get that and you'll love me for it. And we all did. Like he was just so good. And this theme, like it was so funny because we were compiling these lists and I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't, I'm cause we originally started with five and then you went to 30 and (laughs) we got back to 10 and I was just going through what, what themes am I missing? What themes am I missing? And then I, saw this one and I was like, oh my God, I can, I can remember how much I popped for this theme mm. and how over this whole thing was. I, I would have put Eddie over anyone at that point. Yeah. And like, no, yeah. No, it's, so it's just, oh. yeah. Although if I do have to say one just funny thing about that, Eddie's uh, Hioran and the ladder match. <laughs> just, where's Ricky? <laughs> I mean, are, are you talking about the heel run with Rey Mysterio where it was, I'm your poppy? Yeah, yeah that was... Yeah. Talk it's, about no, WWE I, not, not knowing what to do. I, I'm not saying... Yeah, I'm not legitimizing the heel turn and, and like the whole story. Like It's just that particular moment. So funny. Because obviously, Vicky in the match misses her cue to come out and I think stop Eddie from getting the uh, the... It's the custody of Dominic. Yeah, custody of Dominic. This, like, I guess, file they had hanging from the rafters. And obviously they have to improvise. And, like, Ray gets him. They both fall off the ladder, whatever. And then you just hear on the mic. I think it's probably cut from WWE Network now. But if you're able to see the original thing of it, he is just screaming. Uh, you're going to have to bleep me for this bit good. Where the fuck is Ricky? <laughs> He's just screaming it in the ring. <laughs> so so funny. I- I'm not bleeping anything on this, but yes, yes, no. <laughs> like, okay, so you know what's really crazy about that too is do you remember that Austin was hot as hot as all get out as a face? Yeah. And then they turned him yeah. heel and had him hug Mr. McMahon, and that's when he cooled off. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is the same thing where Eddie was hot as hell as a face. Yeah, and then they were like, "We're gonna do this custody thing with Dominic, and your new your new catchphrase is gonna be I'm your poppy.'" And it just it was the yeah. same cooldown of WWE not being able to read the room. And and again, it was such a shame because of the timing and everything. They turned him face. He was becoming Latino heat again, and then you know tragedy struck unfortunately, and Eddie Guerrero was unfortunately taken away from us. Yeah, you know, in November of two thousand and five. Yeah, that is, it, it's almost sad to end on a sad note like that, but I still like, to yeah. me, that theme stands out, will stand out, Eddie will stand out for all of well, wrestling history. Okay, so it's not a sour note, uh, but it may be a controversial moment given the thing, but obviously an infamous moment is WrestleMania 20, the end of the night, Eddie Guerrero's beat Kurt Angle, he is the undisputed champion. Chris Benoit has beat Shawn Michaels and Triple H to win the World Heavyweight Championship. And it's both of them in the ring 
hugging and being showered with confetti and cheers. Like, it is a, maybe a controversial moment given the people in, in subject, if you will, but it, at least it's a bit more of a high note to end on, at least for Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that moment too um, when it happened, and that was that's a moment I'll never, ever forget, regardless of the, yeah. the horrible things that may have occurred afterwards. Um, and obviously, yeah. in, in respect of those things... Where we're not going too deep into them. No, but, uh, no, 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 no. But yeah, that moment was a great moment. Just because, yeah. like, the thing that was so great about Eddie's rise was that it was the rise you never thought you were going to see. Because you never thought yeah. that WWE was going to realize what they had in their hands there. Yeah. And Eddie, much like Daniel Bryan in the future, basically shoved what he had down WWE's throat to the point where they had to go, yeah. we have to make something of this. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so all the love to Eddie, all the love to the Guerrero family. Yeah. I mean, his daughter, I believe, exactly. is in NXT right now. Uh, Vicky's got some some gigs with AEW, I think, or she's done some gigs with AEW yeah. with more potential yeah, in the she future. Has. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that that's our, our top 10 list. We went about yeah. an hour and I'm guessing <laughs> 25 minutes so yeah, yeah. This, this is a little bit long for our pilot episode, yeah. but uh, we'll we'll trim it down in the future. And I'm sure that we, yeah. we all know how wrestling fans are. Don't don't sit here and listen to this and act like you didn't enjoy it because we know you did. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So we and also will... the the point of oh sorry go on no you go on. Um, and also I do want to clarify the point of this particular podcast hitting the mats is this is not going to be oh what's the weekly rundown of professional wrestling today. It's just about professional wrestling. Whatever era, whatever company, we're just going to throw maybe a topic out there and we're just going to roll with it. Simple as. That's what we did to today with the, just the top 10 themes of all time, in our personal opinion. And that's what it's basically going to be. And I hope everybody really does enjoy it and comes along with the ride for us. That doesn't mean, however, that doesn't mean, however, that we won't mention anything that's happening currently. I, I reserve that. Okay, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's always yeah, okay, going to be yeah. that thing that happens and you're like, man, we got to talk about that. Um, yeah, that, no, there is. But yeah, I, I had a really great time doing this, Goth. I hope you had a great time yeah. too. Um, I, this was awesome. So yeah, and this this is going to become a pretty regular thing. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Let us know in the comments if you have any criticisms any feedback we're always open to that kind of thing and yeah. until next time folks uh always tuck your neck yeah see ya